5 p.m. You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch-Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. Yes, indeed. Everything that's in the headlines and what should be for you here today on The Punch-Out on the 18th of November 2020, the 18th of November, you better remember. I don't know why I keep saying that. Someone needs to tell me what that's even from. I don't know why I keep saying it. Nevertheless, all sorts of stuff for you here on the show, including, and I'm sorry to say this for some people, right-wing militias. They are not going away. The possibility that the United States could strike Iran. That's a military strike on Iran there. But before we get to either of those stories, we want to talk a bit about a false dawn for current President Trump in Michigan. In Nevada. Well, news out of Michigan and Nevada has given Trump some hope, false hope, that is, about his efforts to overturn the election results here in the United States. And we want to touch on these stories because Trump's triumphal tweets are deeply misleading. One issue concerns the issue of vote counting in Wayne County, Michigan, and the other is with the down-ballot race in Clark County, Nevada. So, starting with the first issue here, Wayne County. Wayne County is the county which contains Detroit, very diverse county, many sorts of working-class people of different types, also some not-so-working-class folks, but nevertheless, Wayne County, that's Wayne County. Now, Biden lost votes in Detroit part of Wayne County, relative to 2016. But in the county at large, the Democratic vote increased significantly over 2016. Tens of thousands of votes, many tens of thousands of votes. So just at the outset here, we want to lay out that there was never any chance. Even what Trump had said was good for him was true, even if it was true, which it isn't. There was never any chance that this change could in any way, shape, or form change the impact of who won the election in Wayne County or in Michigan or in the United United States. So to some degree, that right there tells you something, that even the turn of events that Trump is most excited about wouldn't make any actual difference. But going back to the story here, what happened is this. Now, the Republican members of the Wayne County Election Commission were refusing to certify the election results. They said it was because there was some very small discrepancies uh, in the number of ballots cast versus the number of people recorded as participating. Now, this actually happens often. You would be surprised here. It's always a small number of votes, but someone can be in a long line and just leave before they actually cast the ballot, for instance. Uh, sometimes there's some machine issues with absentee ballots. Something gets kicked out, not supposed to get kicked out. It's a super num minor number of votes that would make no difference, certainly in this election, and almost never do, but this is a normal thing. But nevertheless, because of this very minor difference, it wouldn't have made any difference at all in the election results. They said, nope, not going to certify it. But things got interesting because when people who were pushing back on this on the board said that this is completely ridiculous, one Republican on the board moved to certify all votes but Detroit, which means mainly black voters, despite the fact that some all-white areas of Wayne County had similar issues. In fact, Livonia had the second highest number of precincts just like this, but the Republicans were more than willing to certify Livonia, but not Detroit. Majority white place, majority black place. Hmm, what could be going on there? So obviously this whole thing was an in-run to try to cast doubt on the veracity of black votes and thus try to put the entire election in the state of Michigan under a pall. 
And this was all happening in the morning yesterday. But by mid-afternoon, word was out, and an organizing effort was on. Organizing people who had voted, who had worked the polls, to come and to testify in the public comment period of these Wayne County election officials. And after three hours... Three hours of heated testimony of people laying out, and and heated for the right reason, people laying out that this was clearly racist, that this was an attempt to steal votes, a ham-fisted attempt to steal votes at that, and that this form of voter suppression was not only uncalled for, but would not be stand for, stood for. Don't know exactly what to do, but they were angry, rightfully angry there in Wayne County, Michigan, and they voiced it in that public comment period. And how did it all get resolved? Well, after three hours of testimony from people, then just the average facts here would show that there was nothing going on. The commissioners voted unanimously to certify the results in Wayne County. Now, in Clark County, Nevada, There was a kind of similar issue. Election officials there certified the results of the election for every race except the county commissioner race for District C. Yeah, we're getting hyper-local for you here on the Punch-Out. For which they had decided not to because... Well, before I get to that, Trump tweeted out after they decided not to certify this District C race how this was a huge win for him because they had refused to certify it and the the election had been on the same ballot paper as the presidential election, implying that the election officials were saying that those votes were also invalid, which is not what they're saying, which is relatively obvious since they certified the results of all the other elections, but this one. But what actually happened here, we're not trying to suppress any information. We're trying to reveal it. So what actually happened here is that in the District C race for county commissioner in Clark County, Nevada, there was a 10-vote difference in the winner. 10 votes. Tight. But it included 139 discrepancies, including six people who voted twice. So ultimately, the uh, board of the, the, the county commissioners, they didn't want to certify the result because they wanted to get in there, see what happened, sort it all out, and then certify or not certify the results. They're trying to get a legal opinion on whether or not they can rerun simply just the District C race. So 139 discrepancies here uh, around a 10-vote difference in the District C election for county commissioner and Clark County. Now, I say all that just to say Trump lost Clark County by over 90,000 votes. By over 90,000 votes. 139 discrepancies, 90,000 vote difference. So clearly, no issue at all. The commissioners themselves recognized no issue at all and thus certified the election results. We're still going to have to see what happens there in District C, which may become one of the most watched county commissioner races in the country. But nevertheless, Trump falsely tweeted about this as some sort of major victory. So we're basically in the same place we were yesterday when we said that the walls were closing in on Trump's efforts to attempt to steal the election here. Certainly these efforts are falling flat, but day by day it becomes clearer and clearer that even his best case scenarios that he's floating out here wouldn't actually change the results at all. Many threats today that remain, but I am equally confident that America will overcome any challenge from communist China to the terrorist regime in Tehran, because that's what free people do. We come together, we solve problems, we win, they lose, and we execute our foreign policy confident that we are that shining city on a hill. Well, that was Mike Pompeo the Secretary of State of the United States doing his whole Threats Against the World Act and America is So Great Act and 
evil this and evil that and all these things that he's been doing for four years. But this is a good reminder that one of the biggest geopolitical issues as it regards the presidential transition is Iran. President-elect Biden has said that he wants to ease tensions between the United States and Iran, while President Trump has spent his entire presidency, his entire presidency, pushing a maximum pressure campaign centered on brutal sanctions that have economically devastated the lives of most working people in Iran and some other people, quite frankly, denying food and medicine in the height of a pandemic, to those most in need. And now the New York Times is reporting that that wasn't enough. Killing people with sanctions, just not enough. President Trump has asked for military options against Iran. Got to kill more people. He's possibly contemplating a strike on his way out of the door. Now, there are a lot of reasons that he might do such a thing, but it seems most notably what he's attempting to do or would be attempting to do with this sort of strike is to spark a broader conflict with Iran that would make it basically impossible or at least much, much more difficult for an incoming U.S. administration or incoming Biden administration to do anything to walk back the maximum pressure strategy. Obvious thought here being... If they can provoke Iran into retaliating against the United States or against proxy forces like in Israel or perhaps even Saudi Arabia, that any new president will have to essentially either keep things the same in terms of the tensions being higher or even escalate the tensions to avoid looking weak or to look like they don't support countries like Israel, Israel in particular. Now, Iran, of course, has been warning that they will hit back very hard. They've vowed a crushing response, more or less sending a message that they will escalate things well past the level the U.S. may be looking looking to provoke and perhaps spark a much wider war, which, you know, just about every nation on earth is already opposed to. It would certainly seriously disrupt world commerce in a huge way and almost certainly lead to massive destruction in the countries closest to the United States in the region, closest politically to the United States in the region. So, of course, all reasons not to launch a strike. So a deterrent effect there. That seems to be what Iran is going for. Now, France and Germany are pushing for more coordination with the new U.S. administration to restart diplomacy on the Iran issue. There is a op-ed for those who might be interested in Le Monde uh, in France yesterday of the foreign minister of those two countries, foreign ministers of those two countries. But nevertheless, they're pushing for the U.S. to link back up with them, to re-engage with Iran, and to find some sort of modus vivendi here, perhaps even returning to the original Iran deal that the United States pulled out of and basically sunk. A lot of problems with that, though, even though Biden has said this is what he wants to do. First, many prominent Democrats oppose the Iran deal and do not want to re-enter it, including, by the way, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer. And it seems like many of those Democrats will demand a tougher deal that Iran will never agree to. It was already so tough that they barely agreed to the one that existed before. And uh, unfortunately, I have to say, they could be joined in this by France. These Democrats who was saying at the time Trump came in that they were willing to push for tougher measures to try to save the deal uh, in the early days of the Trump administration, but Iran just rejected that out of hand, and, and rightfully so. You change in the rules of the game in the middle of the game. You don't do that. So it's unclear if the U.S. is actually going to strike Iran. Uh, certainly the chances of that are not zero. Uh, there's also the possibility of a proxy force like in Israel striking Iran in lieu of the United States doing something, but it does certainly seem like the chances of tensions staying high, even under a Biden administration, is at least possible if not likely. Well, if you thought it would all be over in terms of the far-right danger once Trump was gone, you are very wrong. And all the people suggesting just eliminating Trump will eliminate the far-right threat are also wrong. 
hate to be that categorical, but you are wrong. A clear example of that can be seen in the new information revealed by the media organization Unicorn Riot, who was able to get into some of the internal communications of the right-wing militia, the Oath Keepers. And they are, as many would fear, very angry and seemingly willing to escalate. The chats revealed many things, and I hope people go to Unicorn Riot and check this out, but they reflect quite clearly where they are. Everything from one person stating that, quote, either we start fighting back or we lose forever. You bleed a little now or a lot later. Either we kill them or they kill us. To several people stating that they feel the media should become direct targets. Either we'll kill them or they kill us. Now, perhaps even more notable than just these right-wing militias is that the Oath Keepers are also giving out a guide to their members for how to cultivate support among local sheriffs. They detail, detail various methods by which one could ingratiate themselves with their local sheriff, peace officer there, including, by the way, offering to form posses in times of emergency. I mean, I just the fact that that's a way to ingratiate yourself with the sheriff to offer to form a posse to run people down and execute them vigilante style. Well, it tell you something about sheriffs as much as it does right-wing militias. And on that point about telling you something more about sheriffs, Unicorn Riot also knows that there is already quite a bit of overlap between the Oath Keepers and sheriffs. Actual sheriffs, elected sheriffs. The National Sheriffs Association, for instance, which is the main organization for sheriffs. Everybody's got an organization. Uh, and they do many things that are pro-cop, but they were also, by the way, involved in a stealth campaign to attempt to suppress the Standing Rock protests. But be that as it may... Among these National Sheriffs Association sheriffs, there are at least 400 who, are who have been claimed to be quote-unquote constitutional. That means that they're associated with the militia movement since 2013. So since 2013, 400 sheriffs associated with the militia movement, according to the militia movement, 161 of them are currently in office. 161 sheriffs with direct ties to the militia movement. And honestly, that's just one more example of the very close links between far-right groups and police departments of all types all over the United States at every level, federal, state, and local. So people may think that because Trump is gone, no need to worry, but we are here to give you just another reminder that these far-right groups now have thousands of members who view the government as totally illegitimate that have close ties to this country's security forces. Doesn't exactly sound like a recipe for lessening the danger from fascism or semi-fascist forces to me. And that's going to do it for us here today on The Punch-Out. One real quick reminder, tomorrow evening, well, night, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Breakthrough Live. We'll be back. Check us out across all our social media platforms at BT Newsroom for a great live discussion. We've got Dr. Sharice Burden-Stelly. We've got Jackie Lukeman. We've got Chris Smalls. We've got all sorts of fantastic people, fantastic hosts, fantastic information. We'll be reading off your comments. All sorts of fantastic things happening tomorrow, Thursday, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Breakthrough News Live. But that'll do it for us here today on The Punch-Out.